Welcome to the CFC Jacks Midweek Podcast, where we discuss topics related to becoming a fully devoted, spirit-empowered Christ follower. We hope that wherever you are today, you'll be encouraged by the truths discussed in this podcast. Well, welcome to Q&A. I'm so excited that you've decided to hang out with us this morning. So this is your opportunity to send in questions from the sermon this morning. So Doug will be here in just a moment, and we will get going on that. Um, but if you have questions, you'll see the phone number up on the screen. You can text them in. Um, and as our regular encouragement, if there's something stirring in your heart or mind from the service this morning, we encourage you to text it in because likely it is also stirring in someone else's mind. So would love for you to text in those questions. It's a privilege to be able to answer those for you this morning. Um, and just a quick reminder before Doug arrives. So the 20th um, is a common night that we're having here at CFC. And so maybe you've been joining us online for a while and you're looking for a fun opportunity to come join us in person. This would be a really cool opportunity. We'd love to have you for a service, for a worship service. Um, but what's really neat is after the comedy night on the 20th, um, we're doing dessert out in the courtyard. And so that means everyone from that uh, that comedy show is going to be outside. We're hanging out. It's really like a cool family time um, that we get to spend together. So it could be a neat opportunity um, and also a great opportunity to invite somebody. Um, but also as far as services, we have a Thursday night service and ice cream is going for a few more weeks. So it's ice cream at 645 and then worship at seven. So would love an opportunity to connect with you. Um, we've heard from many people watching online is a great experience, but even better when coming in person. So personal invitation, would love to meet you. Or if you come on one of those um, days, introduce yourself. It really would be a privilege for us to get to meet you. All right. Welcome. You did your song and dance? I did my song and dance. Yeah, it was a great number. <laughs> totally was. in key. Yeah. <laughs> no, that was the last thing I would do. <laughs> that makes two of us. Yeah, no, just a, a reminder and an invitation to join us in person and then also for the comedy night um, because we're going to have dessert out in the courtyard after and it's always a fun time to eat good dessert and get to know people. Yeah, we, uh, I think I shared, we, we had Ken here a number of years ago, invited some neighbors uh, who were not churched, and uh, they had a great night with us. So if you're wondering, it's always, I ask myself before we do an event like this, all right, would I want to invite one of my neighbors That's a to good an question. Event? Yeah. And uh, I think comedy is, it's it, it's not cheesy, it's fun, uh, clean. So comedy is, I think, a, an easy invite because everybody likes to laugh. Yeah, absolutely. I think it'll be a fun time. Yeah. Um, so we do have some questions. Okay. We've come in. We're ready to get rolling. Thanks for coming so quickly. <laughs> <laughs> um, first question here. Um, how do you handle situations where what's loving may seem to conflict? For example, yeah. seeking to love and reach out to a coworker or friend may result in less time with spouse or family. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, well, in that specific example, if... We understand marriage uh, to become one. So if I am going to choose to lovingly engage with a neighbor, uh, a coworker, in a manner that impacts my time with my spouse, then that's something that I'm going to, uh, I'm not going to make that decision by myself. That's a decision that Jackie and I would make together. Um, 
So uh, kind of a fundamental principle in marriage that I try to cover in, in premarital is when you're dating, uh, you are apart and you agree when you're going to be together. When you get married, you're together and you agree when you're going to be apart. Mm-hmm. It's, a, it's a major shift of what the, what the default now is. And so uh, my default is that uh, I'm with Jackie. Now, we obviously agree that uh, I go to work. Uh, we agree that I play tennis certain times uh, during the week. We agree that we do things with family. We agree if we do things uh, separately with friends. So to that specific, I think the question can be bigger than that. But since that specific was given to it, uh, I would be be very cautious to go, I'm doing this to love a coworker, uh, and it's unloving to my spouse. If they feel like it's unloving, then you probably need to ask the question, okay, what's, what's going on in our relationship, our marriage, mm-hmm. uh, that is causing us co- to come to that conclusion? So uh, I'd make that together. Read the first part of the question, though. Um, Sure. How do you handle situations where what's loving may seem to conflict? Yeah. But I could, as I was starting to read the question, what popped in my mind is actually a slightly different. How do you handle situations where what's loving causes conflict? So whether it's um, like a different belief or a different perspective, like within family is kind of right. what I was expecting. Right. Mm-hmm. But this was a, a good specific question. Yes. No, I appreciated the specific. So I tried to answer the the specific. So mm-hmm. Where what's loving causes conflict, then and whether it's um, it's bigger than that, that wouldn't that makes it a little harder to answer mm-hmm. because I have to make sure that I am not simply saying uh, I'm relabeling my preference loving and therefore uh, there can be no discussion. I'm doing what's loving. Well. Mm. It may be that you've just relabeled your preference. So if it's causing conflict in some way, then I think you should talk through what are what talk through that conflict. I thought it was headed towards. I think I, I said it in the message. Many of us have experienced either uh, in our lives personally or through people around us uh, the situations where. You get to a very difficult spot of not helping someone out of love. Mm-hmm. And uh, maybe there'll be a question for that, and maybe I'm usurping that question coming no, up. No, it'll happen but, right now. Okay. Uh, I think, I think um, not helping someone is is an important aspect of understanding love in a culture that increasingly uh, can want a handout without responsibility. Mm-hmm. Where uh, Thessalonians very specifically says, I didn't know this was in the Bible growing up. I thought I thought this came from like Captain John Smith in the Pilgrims. <laughs> <laughs> I remember the first time when I read it in the Bible that uh, if you don't work, don't eat. Mm. So 
I think there may be in some extenu- sometimes some extenuating circumstances where we would say, well, the person has a, a situation where they can't work right mm-hmm. now, so therefore we're trying to help. But uh, I have watched uh, in some extended family situations years of irresponsibility that is never fully felt because there's always been aid brought in and uh, the consequences of irresponsibility have always been short-circuited. And uh, I think it's done out of a desire to love. I just don't think it's loving. Hmm. I do think it's a – I don't want to be critical of the desire. I think there's right, a desire to, to – the, the helping person there desires yes. to love, and it feels so – unloving to not help, and it's so hard, and the accusations can be so intense and personal that I think it's just easier to mm-hmm. to help even when not helping would be more loving. Mm. So it's that may not have, yeah, I, I think... Uh, I think that happens more and more, and that gets really dicey when it becomes family members. Yes, absolutely. So, I, I, But we're supposed to answer those questions, not questions i imagine so are there other questions but I, yeah, there are but i think that's a good a good point so i'll talk more about it if somebody asks it okay <laughs> uh, well next question how do you determine the difference between permissible to do so and fear of the lord hmm. so i'm not sure if permissible do so well like- so i think in the the question stems nehemiah was permissible for him to take the governor's right food mm-hmm. uh, allowance but out of fear of the Lord, he didn't do so. So, uh, I think f- I think in that situation, uh, you have two principles involved. A principle, a man-made principle that a person in this position gets this allowance, and a God-given principle that we should not pile on for the poor, we should actually help the poor. So, I think it was actually an easy... Uh, an easy decision because of the value understanding for Nehemiah. Mm. Uh, again, I I fully appreciate the financial opportunity he gave up. Mm. Sure, um, and that's hard to do to give up financial opportunity. But he gave up financial. It was permissible. Uh, but fear of the Lord. So I think uh, the question was, how do we know? Sorry. How do you determine the difference between permissible to do so and fear of the Lord? Well, I'm not sure I know how to say what the difference is, Mm -hmm. but in that, how do I decide, how do I decide which? I think a decision would be. uh, I think where, where the where the permissible was a man-made, a human permissible, not a God permissible. When there is a God permissible and fear of the Lord, then then I think that is a matter of um, conscience. Hmm. Where my conscience may say, I am biblically permitted 
but my conscience says a fear of the Lord doesn't give me freedom. Another person may go, I'm biblically permitted, permitted and a fear of the Lord doesn't uh, restrain me. Like It doesn't go against my conscience, so there's freedom there. So I, I would think that's a matter of conscience, and the hardest thing with the matter of conscience is to say, I can become fully convinced in my own mind without becoming judgmental about your decision. Mm-hmm. That, that's... That's true maturity there when fully convinced in my own convictions, but not judgmental of the convictions that other people come to, mm-hmm. where there's freedom. Right, yeah, where there's freedom. Um, so moving to that last uh, point about eternal reward, should yeah. we do things with eternal reward as a motivating factor? 100%. <laughs> yes, uh, we should do things, and we should not do things with uh, eternal reward reward as a motivating factor. Um, Let me turn to... Is it the ultimate motivation? I'm not sure it's the ultimate motivation. Um, Ultimate motivation is love for God. Right. But if I understand eternal reward will be opportunity for worship... God, for worship of God in eternity, then I don't see them conflicting at all. Hmm. So, what I wanted to read, sorry, I'm getting to it, Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, chapter 2. It's not in Philippians, it's in 1 Thessalonians. Just a few more pages. I was like, that doesn't look right. Uh, Yeah. Paul says, uh, uh, 1 Thess 2, 17, But we, brethren, uh, having been taken away from you for a short while, uh, in person, not in spirit, were all the more eager with great desire to see your face. For we wanted to come to you, I, Paul, more than once, and yet Satan hindered us. For who is our hope or joy or crown of exaltation? Is it not even you in the presence of our Lord Jesus at his coming? For you are our glory and joy. So maybe that doesn't make sense to you, but what I take from that is, Paul is saying my his motivation in life in terms of trying to get to them, not being able to, but wanting to get to them to further disciple them. Paul was the instrument that God used for them coming to Christ and now growing in Christ. And he is simply saying, when the Lord r- returns, you're my joy, you're my hope, you're my glory, because you represent that which I have done uh, for Christ and by Christ and through Christ, and therefore will be the reward and the joy in all eternity. So I think Paul was very much motivated in his disciple-making by the eternal reward that he would receive for making disciples, which um, is something that I want to maybe speak to for just mm-hmm. a, a moment we're all called to be making disciples. And that simply means that I'm helping people who 
to move some point in this journey from being dead in their sin to being a multiplying disciple maker themselves. So we call that at the chapel moving from dead to life, from the coffin to the crib, then the crib to the table, the table to the stove, the the crib reflecting our new life in Christ, the table reflecting our joint mutual life in Christ, and then the stove representing our a, a life of living for multiplication. So at some, in my life, whether it's with my wife, with my kids, with my neighbors, here at the church, uh, because that's my job, but take, take here at church out of it. In my life, I want to be a disciple maker. I want to help people and I want to live in a, in a manner in terms of the works that I do, the money that I give, I want it to be invested in helping people move down that journey from dead in their sin to a multiplying disciple of Jesus. So, um, that will be, it's said that we can't take things with us, uh, the only thing we can take with us is things that will last forever, which is the Word of God and the souls of people. So I want to live in a manner that uh, allows me to uh, make disciples because people are what I get to take with me for all eternity. That's why they're our hope, our joy, our crown, our glory. At least that was in Paul's mind. Mm. So as a mom, uh, you... You don't have to work at the church to make disciples. As a mom, I've watched you. You're making disciples of your kids uh, on your street, in your neighborhood, book clubs, uh, front yard parties. You're seeking to make disciples. So uh, how are you making a disciple? Because that is when he says, be rich, our passage, be rich. Do good and be rich in good works. I don't want you to disconnect that from that's really just a form of disciple making. So it's not only what we do with our time, it's what we do with our dollars, being generous, ready to share, but all in the mindset of how can I invest my minutes, my efforts, my dollars in disciple making as Mm -hmm. a neighbor, as a mom, Mm -hmm. as a dad, as a grandfather. Uh, how can I be involved in that? And it and it is a joy, as referenced, like in First Thess. There, like what a, what a joy it is yeah. to see the Lord work and to be able to participate right. in that with the Lord. Yeah. Um, it's incredible when you see a child grow in their walk or mm-hmm. come to. It's just there's so much excitement and yeah. joy, and that's the continuation of joy of worship of the Lord that for all eternity that we get to continue. I mean, yeah. that, that's and amazing. And it's not just an eternity. It's joy now. Yeah, it's joy yeah, now. We experience and... joy now and perfect uh, joy then. He actually says um, in John 15, he he Jesus says to the disciples uh, about abiding in him and keeping mm-hmm. his commandments, and he finishes with, I've told you these things so that your joy may be made complete. So there is joy in the disciple-making, which is the keeping of his commandments, the giving of our resources. There's joy in that because it will last for all eternity. Yeah, it's just, it's just a privilege. It's just exciting to think about and a privilege when you see that. And it's not always easy. It yeah. it takes time. There's effort. There's heartache. There's, um, but an absolute privilege 
Yeah, and when we think of this rubble, mm-hmm. that's all we're talking about is disciple making there as well. When we're right. talking about the rubble, the the helping the broken and the burned mm-hmm. in our world, we're simply saying we're going to help them find relationship with the Lord, grow in relationship with the Lord, and then the joy of being an instrument through which uh, the Lord uses them to help other people find the Lord and grow in the Lord. So mm-hmm. uh, it's just different images for all the same idea. Did I hear another question? We do. We've had a couple that oh. come in, so we've got Real quick. a little bit of time here. Um, I often think, why does God um, pile burdens on me year after year, making it harder and harder to get ahead or save for the future? Hmm. When you pay your bills, I assume that's a financial. That's a financially speaking. Mm-hmm. It sounds like when you pay your bills, n- never discount that that is glorifying to the Lord. Mm-hmm. Uh, as much as you possibly can, we 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 give uh, and we save and we pay our bills. We may not, and this may be, we may not have the capacity once we pay our bills and we give ha- have piles to save for the future. I believe we can trust the Lord with that. So mm-hmm. um, as long as the Lord continues to provide for your needs now, trust that the Lord, believe that the Lord will continue to provide for your needs in the future as well. He's a good, good provider. Yes. The best there is. <laughs> Well, thanks so much for joining us. We really appreciate your questions. Um, And if we can serve you in any way this week, we would encourage you to uh, reach out to us, connect card. We have a prayer card on our website as well, and we'd love to serve you. So thanks for joining us. Thanks for listening to this episode of the CFC Jacks podcast. Be sure to watch as we release new teachings weekly, along with additional content during the week. If you'd like more information about our church, please visit us at www.cfcjacks.com. Thanks for listening.